0: So we are delighted to have Andy Smith with us here this uh, afternoon to do our first session. Andy is a huge champion of our church and if it wasn't for Andy we wouldn't be in the position we are in and in this building and thriving as we are. He's an incredible leader who leads uh, the Belfast Vineyard and also the wider Irish Vineyard movement and I think um, he's going to say some things to us today and tomorrow which are going to really impact us both individually and collectively. There's a thing that still sticks with me Andy when you opened this church building a couple of years ago and you talked about our legacy as a church and um, investing in young people and it's always stuck with me and I'm sure stuck with a lot of people around this room too so we're delighted to have him with us and can we do can we get to our feet and do a real American style welcome for Andy to get up give it he'll he'll hate this but let's do it kind thank you it is a real privilege and a joy to be here with you uh my beloved wife is that you I, yes there she is she made it we had uh babysitters we couldn't come at the same time but she's here babysitters at our house it's great so yeah well what an exciting time um that was a uh, one of the i think that might have been the best introduction i've ever had that was amazing would you like to change churches and come to mind <laughs> So, anyway, I know, I'm not supposed to do that. (laughs) Well, can I just pray for us really quickly? Lord, just as we set out, we just pray for the weight of your presence upon us. And just as you were present with us in worship, would you be present with us uh, throughout this session, throughout the meal tonight, throughout this evening session? Lord, I just have a sense for these beautiful people, this beautiful church, this is a, a inflection point. So we pray that you'd be just thick in the atmosphere and speaking and moving. And we just rejoice in your goodness to us and your presence here. Amen. Well, uh, as was said, uh, we just have the joy of leading the vineyard in Belfast. And uh, Harmony and I also give some leadership to the vineyard churches in Ireland. And it is just a real thrill to kind of come in in this capacity to talk to you. Uh, this afternoon, uh, you're in for a treat because this evening uh, Harmony is going to speak. Uh, and then I think I'm, I'm on back with you tomorrow night if you can make it that far. And winter doesn't try and kill us again. So well done for plowing through the snow and, and all that stuff. I, I love the themes of this weekend. Uh, more of Jesus in me, more of Jesus in our worship, and more of Jesus in our city. And to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons we said yes to come And be part of things. You know, what you're wrestling with this weekend and as a community here are things that, you know, Harmony and I have decided to give our lives to. Um, Again, we want more of Jesus in us, we want more of Jesus in our worship, and we want more of Jesus in our city, more of Jesus for this island. And uh, we have just spent uh, the last number of years constantly learning to live securely in the love and presence of Jesus being fully present to Jesus and to people and ourselves as fully present as possible, and then inviting everyone we talk to into lives of formation, lives of community, and lives of impact, all fueled by life and his presence, and especially leaders and people like you who are excited about what God is doing in your church, in your lives, and excited about what God might do in your city. So the themes that you're talking about and what you're leaning into as a church, they are just, we just say a wholehearted yes. That's what we're doing with our lives. We also really love your church. Um, uh, Harmony and I and our community in Belfast, you know, over the years we prayed and prayed and prayed for a vineyard to be planted here. And so it was just such a thrill when uh, the beautiful Causeway Coast Vineyard Gang uh, uh, began a campus here. And that's when we first met Mark Mark and Yvette and maybe even some of you. And then Andy and Dana somehow fell in with you guys as well. And and I'm not really sure I can remember. I'm getting old now. Um, But how it kind of went from a campus to a church plant. Just such a joy to see uh, that whole process and everything that God has done with you. And then look at you now. I remember the days when Andy used to phone me. And he was really, you know, full of angst because you were only 60 people after like 20 minutes or something like that. And now he phones me because there's too many of you, you know, so it's just a joy. It's just a joy. I, too, was a member of the board of directors, a trustee of this church for a few years. So the ple- pleasure of, of helping along there was wonderful. Um, and uh, as was mentioned, I had a real treat to be here as you opened this building and um, And to be here now is just incredibly special. Um, We pray for you. We are so for you. We believe that God has so much for you as a community. And I'm just celebrating. I think it's really important for Harmony and I just to convey that we're incredibly proud of you. We're just really proud. You've done so well. You've contended for so much. And there's more to come. So just be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be full of joy. Over the next three sessions, we're just going to talk to you about the themes of, your, uh, of this weekend, and we're going to invite you to give yourselves to them fully in your context. And again, we're just going to be speaking as regional leaders, hopefully encouraging you, but maybe even bringing some challenge to you to be the kind of people, to be the kind of church that reaches firstly for more of Jesus in you, more of Jesus in your worship and your gathered environments, and then all of that working up ahead of steam and then overflowing into more of Jesus in your city. So, this afternoon, it's going to be more of Jesus in me, more of Jesus in my life. What might that look like for you? I just want you to take just a few seconds and just close your eyes and just think about, well, what what actually would that look like? Like, how would I even get there? What might need to change? What do I dream about in my life with Jesus? Just spend a moment and Life is so crazy busy. Like, do we ever get the chance to just pause in his presence and be like, well, what actually would more of Jesus be like for me? I think for me, the place I always go to when I think about this and contend for this is just a passage of scripture in John's gospel that has been transformational for me. You're not supposed to have favorite parts of the Bible, right? Especially as a pastor, you're supposed to love all the Bible, right? But my favorite, my, the place I go over and over again is John chapter 15. And in John 15, just to set the context for you, uh, this is Jesus telling his closest followers how life with him, how following him is supposed to work. He's inviting them into a certain kind of life and living securely in his presence first Experiencing the more of him all the time in their lives first is right at the heart of it. It's right at the key of it. And John chapter 15 in the Gospel of John takes place after the Last Supper and before the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is Jesus moving from one place to the other. And Bible scholars, if you look, look all this up and the smart people who write about this, uh, they've traced the route from where the likely spot of the upper room where they had the Last Supper was and where the Garden of Gethsemane was. So the route that they've been walking goes right past the temple. And so they would have been probably walking and talking, doing the West Wing thing, walk and talk, right? We've got to get to the garden, and they're all moving around, and Jesus is there with them. And he's telling them the most important things because time is short. The cross is looming. These are the last moments. And they pass by the temple, and why is that important? Well, um, on the facade, the front of the temple, and it would have been Passover time, great festival, great feast, so the temple would have been lit up by gigantic torches, and so it would have been loads of people around, and they're passing in front of it, and on the front of the temple, in gold, would have been of the vine, a picture of the vine, a symbol, a national symbol of Israel and you have Jesus and the disciples moving past this, walking, talking, he probably would have pointed up in John chapter 15, verse 1, he probably would have pointed and he said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He tells them that there is fruitfulness coming for them. But fruitfulness comes from abiding in his presence. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He goes on to say, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, fruitfulness is coming. He's preparing his best leaders for life with him. They're to reach for fruitfulness without apology. They're even to expect it as normal. So never apologize for fruitfulness. But he tells them it doesn't come from striving. It doesn't come from manipulating. It doesn't come from bullying. It doesn't come from living on the edge of burnout. It comes from a life lived in his presence, experiencing his love and care for us. He invites them and he invites us to abide or dwell or live or remain in him. And he uses this symbol of a vine and branches. The branches bearing fruit because they're connected to the vine. It's not a picture of struggle. It's not a picture of striving. You know, trying to please God. If we just pray enough, if we just do this enough, if we just that do that enough, then God has to bless us. It's not a picture of that at all. It's not wondering if you make the grade. It's not a distant relationship. It's a close relationship. A deep friendship with Jesus, friendship with Him is our first and foremost goal and trajectory and direction. What does your city need? It needs lots of things. But it needs followers of Jesus. It needs whole churches that cultivate rhythms of love and dependency upon Jesus where you actually know Him where you choose this type of life to be in his presence, to receive his resources, his power, as we live out this kingdom kind of life that Jesus always tells us he's available in and through belief, trust, and faith in him. We're to know him. We're to remain in him before we do anything else. Before we produce, we remain. And we pursue a life of friendship, peace, and rest in his loving presence forever. And out of that place, we bear fruit. That's the easy yoke of Jesus. You were made for relationship with him. Give yourselves to a life of deep and transforming and empowering friendship with him. I said it a minute ago, I'll say it again. This is an invitation from Jesus. This life must be chosen. This life must be intended to do. It doesn't just happen by accident. He doesn't give them an option on this. He doesn't give us an option on this. Like, do you know what? Uh, Some of you may choose to do this. You know, the people who are super saints or the God squad among you or the people who want to be pastors or think that church is really cool or something like that, like, you know, you'll do this, but the rest of you can just go ahead and do whatever you want. No, this is Jesus with his closest friends and followers, his handpicked leaders at the most crucial time, the last bits of teaching he's going to be able to impart to them, telling them what the key to life with him and fruitfulness is. The way to receive more of him than everything they do. I've just come to really build my life on this passage of Scripture and this principle that Jesus invites us into. I've come to believe that it's really possible to, to live and to lead from the place of deep peace, rest, and stillness in joy. Safe and secure in God's presence and God's friendship. Safe to be who we are and do what Jesus has for us to do in a way that pleases his heart and leaves a kingdom legacy. And in the last few years, God's been teaching Harman and I a ton about this, and he's really been changing us. We've been learning to live in his presence, to abide in him, before we lead, before we do, before we look for fruitfulness. We've slowly been developing into John chapter 15 type leaders who do all we can to live in and attend to the presence of Jesus and experience his love and his care for us, and then let that overflow to everyone around us. And I just have to be honest with you, it's really hard. So if you intend to do this life, it's, it's a simple life, but it's not an easy life, if that makes sense. We'll be working on this for the rest of our lives. I fail at it regularly. About three weekends ago, um, maybe four, I hit a real panic place. And uh, it's one of those things where when somebody in your church sends you an email and you think the world's ending and stuff like that. I've been doing this for like 16 years or something like that. So I've, I've gotten a lot of those emails and you would think that I'd be used to it by now. But I just, you know, went off to the fair and I was panicking and it was crazy. I ruined our Sabbath. It was just a disaster. And I was most certainly not responding to something from the place of deep peace and rest. I was responding from the place of anxiety, fear and panic so we regularly fail at this but this life is possible and I believe that one of the things that will mark you as a community is serving your city seeing great things happen in your city and beyond seeing the miracles of God but not from the place of striving but from the place of ease and rest and great joy and you're going to model that out for your city. You're going to disciple people into this invitation of Jesus. You're going to disciple people into a John chapter 15 kind of life. And what I'm talking about, some of you are real activists and you're like, I I joined this community because man, they reach for fruit and they reach for fruitfulness and I am passionate about that and let's get some things done. I've sat around for far too long. Let's go, go, go. And I am right there with you. I love that, too. I am passionate and serious about action and fruitfulness. I am just utterly convinced that fruitfulness comes from abiding. And how we do church and leadership and family and work and life uh, is actually determined by the people we are becoming. So who are you becoming? Have you ever thought about that before? Is Jesus and his rhythms of life for you? Is that influencing who you are becoming? Are you cultivating a life rooted in the, in the love of Jesus for you? And are you regularly enjoying and receiving his presence? Is John chapter 15 happening in your life? Is it shaping who you are becoming? Is it shaping your children's experience of you as father or mother? Is it shaping your coworkers or your employees' experience of you as co-worker or boss Is it shaping and influencing who you are becoming? I have incredibly good news for you. You get to receive and experience uh, his presence for you. You are loved, and you get to live in that love. You get to live in his presence. What's active in you and the person you are becoming will be reproduced in the people you influence. And what if this weekend was kind of a reset or a reminder, or an invitation from Jesus in to receive from him to cultivate this kind of life for you first, to let it mark you, your family, your church, your workplace, and overflow into all those that we encounter and we serve. And for our next bit of our time together, I just want to talk about what we can actually do in our lives to lean into this more, because, you know, we just have to go from some really nice words that kind of ring true about the Bible, you know, to some real concrete things in my life that I actually do, because we can talk about, yes, we need to abide in Jesus and remain in him, and then let's go eat, and then we're like, well, how do you actually do that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? So let's try and bridge that gap for the time we have remaining Uh, things that help us welcome more of jesus into our hearts so that this time next year you can say hey i actually have some things in my life that help me encounter abide and remain in the presence and love of jesus and it's actually in big ways and small ways overflowing and impacting some things around me so what happens as as leaders and followers of Jesus, when we live deliberately in the love of Jesus, so the first one I've got for you to think about is that, you know, identity is restored and reinforced. We we learn to live from a true identity rather than a false narrative about who we are. And Jesus, in his baptism, is our model for this. In his baptism. Uh, Uh, Jesus, He goes under the waters of baptism. What happens? Luke chapter 3, verse 22. A voice speaks from heaven. It's his father in heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Before he does ministry, before he does anything, he has true identity bestowed upon him by the father. And if he needed that, if he needed identity reinforced before he did anything, we certainly need that. Too. It happens as we're in the presence of Jesus and abide in Him. We get to hear His voice. We get to hear His well done. His blessing is bestowed upon us and we begin to live from a true narrative or we view ourselves from his, how He sees us, not how we see ourselves, the broken lenses that we see ourselves through or, or who the world says we are. We get to see ourselves through his eyes. And he whispers to us who we are in his presence. Things like, I'm alive and well in the kingdom of a God who loves me very, very much. I'm safe and secure because of Jesus. I'm cleansed, I'm endorsed, and I'm called, and I'm made for fruitfulness. That's a true narrative. I'm not rejected. I'm a son or I'm a daughter. I don't need to strive. I can rest in his love. I can trust him no matter what, we were worshipping, it was beautiful, but so much of how we were worshipping is declaring truth of how God sees us. And so much was we can trust Jesus. That's all true narratives which we encounter in the presence of Jesus, I don't have to be compelling or prove anything to anyone else. Jesus is incredibly compelling, and I get to serve and follow him and live in his empowering presence. I can receive his resources. I don't have to live in lack. I can choose to live in the abundance of his goodness. And from that place, a true identity, we're free to be fully present with people and love them really, really well and serve them and bless others from the place of security rather than insecurity. Instead of lack, we can have abundance. Instead of fear and shame covering my story, I can embrace courage and honor. Instead of anxiety, I can live in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of narratives of insecurity and despair, we can live secure and joyful in the love of Jesus. And we can't rest in God's love and God's presence if we don't think we're worthy or lovable or able to live from a place of a true identity. It's in his presence and in his love that we're made whole. Identity is restored and reinforced, and we can resist the enemy's plans to derail and destroy and distract us. That's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is we receive revelation. In his presence, we hear from the Lord about us, about what he thinks about us, about who he says we are, about what he wants to heal in us. We hear his voice and live. And we're all real activists here. I'm sure that's true. We all want to see things done. We're all high capacity. We all work hard at whatever it is we do, and we serve hard together in community. And if we aren't investing in his presence, if we aren't rooted in his love, we may be working hard, and doing good things, but we may not be doing what we're supposed to be doing, or what the Father wants to be doing in and through us, and in and through our church, in and through our families, and in and through our city. You know, this past two to three weeks, maybe slightly longer, I have personally just lived this all over again. As I have Engaged the presence of Jesus and engaged in community that really loves Jesus and hears from him I've been given revelation from him on something that has hung over my life for years It's incredibly painful, it's, it's difficult I've had to wake up and realize that painful experiences have affected me And, and kind of warped me and my leadership and even affected our church And God, in his mercy, in his presence, came revelation, a truth encounter. And I was able to repent and step out from underneath that. What if he has revelation for you? What if he has revelation about your identity? What if he has revelation about what you're supposed to do? What if he has revelation for how you're supposed to serve? What if he has revelation for what you are to pursue? You find revelation in his presence. You hear his voice closely related to that is this and in, in his presence and love we hear what our right things are i had a conversation with my spiritual father andy was with me we were in chicago um and i had loads of problems so i kind of sat with him and i was like i've just got tons of problems uh steve his name is steve and he said do you want to know what your problem is i said this is why i came it's why i flew like 3,000 miles i want i'm buying you dinner here let's let, lay it on me of course this is why i came so you want to know what your problem is i said yeah me my problem. He said, you're trying to do everything right instead of just doing the right things. There's a big difference. And then he started to eat his salad again. And I'm like, help me out with that a little bit, right? And he's just talking about the difference between perfectionism and faithfulness. And I went away and spent tons of time with Jesus and got revelation on what my right things were for each season. The things that the Father had for me to do that only I could do. Not anyone else's right thing. Not insert famous Christian leader here. His or her right things. My right things that I was being asked to do. And revelation in the presence of Jesus gave me freedom to pursue those right things. The enemy of God's best is something very, very good. We do good things, but we don't do God's things. And in his presence, we get the freedom to do what he has for us to do that no one else can do. And we get to step out from the pressure to be someone else or to have success defined for us by other people and strive under that pressure. Success is actually being present to Jesus, loving him well, receiving from him, being present and loving people and then doing what only you can do in your family, in your church, in your city, in our movement on this island. What I had to do was be me and do what I knew to be what, what I was hearing from the Father. I had to do my right things. Do you know what your right things are for this season? You hear them in the sacred fire of Jesus' presence. It's the easy yoke of his love. I wasn't going to give you any assignments, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll give you a few assignments for a nice church weekend. What if you went away with Jesus or spent some time or stole some time tomorrow morning before church or just whenever in the next couple of weeks and you just got in his presence and asked him, What are your right things for the next 6 to 12 months? What is he asking of you? What does your family need from you? What does your church need from you? What does your city need from you in the next 6 or 12 months? What are your right things? Ask him what those are. And when we hear from him and give ourselves to those, it sets us free to be faithful to Jesus and the place that he has called you to and the people that he has given to you. You need to find out your right things. If you don't know your right things chances are you feel like you're spinning your wheels at times and maybe like you're headed for burnout. Finding out your right things is like mission critical and you hear them in his presence. In his presence, we also experience transformation, transformation. You get to live from the place of wholeness in Jesus. You get to live in his mercy. You get to have transformation for you. Like it's wonderful how Your church, our church, churches like ours, we're just reaching for more of Jesus in our city. We look at our city and we say, Jesus, come and do more. We are, use us, we'll go. That's all wonderful. But there is good news for you that not just your city, but you get to experience mercy and transformation. You have access to his peace and rest no matter what you're facing. You get to receive resources from the Father instead of living in lack. We get to become more present to people, especially those we love, because we're more present to him. We get to be free to tell the truth about us, free to do conflict well, because we're more present to him and healed in his presence and able to live from the place of security. You know, my testimony is that as I've opened up to more of Jesus in my life, he's brought profound healing to me. And part of the catalyst for this started a number of years ago i realized that i wasn't very present or attentive to the presence of god and his love for me and i had trouble being present with those that i love most and i had trouble being present to my church so in short i was a mess i wasn't loving them well and i wasn't very happy i had things in my life like anxiety and anger and insecurity and i began to see that if i didn't address this i was in trouble And so as I searched the scriptures, I found Jesus in the Gospels, completely secure in who he was, completely free to be present. He's fully present to the Father and his love for him. He's fully present to people. When he's on mission, he stops for the blind man. When he's headed towards Jerusalem and the cross, he stops and he notices Zacchaeus up a tree, and he stops for him. He's present to him. He's present to crowds, he's present to individuals, he's present to sinners, he's free to confront, he's free to forgive, he's free to show mercy, he's free to heal, he is free to cast out demons, he's free to do only what he sees the Father doing. He was and is the most profoundly present person to ever walk the face of the earth. And I decided to try and be like him and to do all I could to be fully present to him and experience And receive his love. And then give that away all around me. Instead of giving away more of me. There's a quote from John Wimber. Who was instrumental in the founding of the Vineyard Movement. You kind of can't do a Vineyard Church Weekend without quoting John Wimber. So here it is. We don't seek God's power. We seek his presence. His power and everything else we need is always found in his presence. Walking this John chapter 15 kind of life has allowed me to be more fruitful than was possible before because on that journey, there's transformation. And he has that for you too. You can't avoid fruitfulness if you're abiding abiding. because it's a promise in the passage. So again, what does Lisburn need? It needs lots of things. But it really needs faithful servants who know how to cultivate life in Jesus' presence to receive from him and bear fruit from that place. It needs faithful servants who are being transformed from the inside out because they're encountering Jesus and his presence. And it really needs faithful servants who have all that happening and know how to help other people get into the presence of Jesus. What brings real change? His presence from the inside out. You may have to do some repenting. We always think repentance is a bad thing. My experience recently is repentance always leads to acceleration. We come into alignment again. We come into agreement again with God and we're set free and things that have been holding us back are falling off of us and we're able to go further, faster, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in his mercy and grace, we're set free. For, so for the last few minutes, I just want to talk about, you know, those are some things that we have access to in the presence of Jesus and that happen to us and why we should be in the presence of Jesus. But what are some actually, okay, how do you actually do this? What are some things in your life uh, that you could put in starting tonight? To just begin to build this life. I just have a few that are incredibly important to me. No doubt many of you are doing these things already. And there are way, way more. So this is not exhaustive at all. But I just wanted to mention a few. And invite you into them. Some, some real things you could start doing today. To go further with a John chapter 15 life. To cultivate deep friendship with Jesus. And intentionality. And to begin to steward our own lives. We're all stewards of our own lives. Now, the first thing I just mentioned is something I call rhythms. Begin to build rhythms into our daily lives that keep bringing us back to the love and presence of Jesus. Um, when I first became a Christian, I was, I was told I needed to do something that people called a quiet time, which I personally didn't find terribly compelling and I always struggled with. And I always struggle with it because it felt like homework for Jesus, like stuff I got to do to make God like me, and I felt like, anyone ever had this experience? Or am I just the worst Christian in the world? But like, I felt like if I didn't read my Bible, I was somehow like a heathen. And God didn't love me until I got that chapter of Leviticus done or something like that. Anyone ever feel like that? Or you forgot to pray. You know? And it's like homework for Jesus. And if you do your assignments, good boy, good girl. If you don't, so blow that out of the water. I'm talking about rhythms and patterns of things that we give ourselves to, that we return to over and over again to anchor us in the love of Jesus and his presence for us. Not so that we can dip in and out when we need to fill up, but a, like a place we live from that overflows and brings transformation to our real lives and the lives of those we love and serve and are influencing and leading. And for me, here's a few of the rhythms that I have just in place that I go to every day, every week to just build that momentum of friendship and abiding and trust and living in his love that then begins to overflow. First one would be the scriptures. And what's interesting is um, everything they told me to do in a a quiet time is here. The problem is I just needed to make a mental shift from homework to life-giving friendship. So the scriptures, particularly study and memorization of the scriptures, where we carry them with us, we we chew on them, That, that is a deeply formational practice, putting the word of God in us that has to have an astounding power in our lives. So will you build a life of attention to his word? Will you allow his word to form you The most powerful and compelling people I know know where their Bible is. And they know how to pray. They're students of the scriptures. They know them. They have them. some of them memorized. But more than that, they have gone not just to Bible trivia, they have allowed their lives to be shaped and molded by the Scriptures. They listen to the Scriptures. They, they know how to get wisdom from the Lord. They know how to meet the Lord in the Scriptures. And then they're able to give that away. They allow the truth of the Scriptures to lead them to life and hope and identity and relationship with Jesus and obedience to Jesus. If you want more of Jesus in you, you need His words in you. So one of the things is the Scriptures. Another thing would be prayer. Again, like Who wouldn't have prayer part of their rhythms? And there's many different types of prayer. Um, There's kind of the prayer for healing where we just, you know, we'll do that tonight maybe. We'll pray for some healing where it's like we expect the kingdom of God to just come now and pray, Lord, do this now. Or it might be intercessory prayer where we're on our knees for the nation or the city or our family. We're interceding with God. There's loads of different types of prayer, and I go for them all, okay? So don't hear me saying some are good and some are bad for them all. The one type of prayer has completely changed me. And that is something I call the prayer of presence. It's called many things. People call it centering prayer. It's a time of silence and solitude, deliberately sitting in the presence of Jesus. I daily spend extended times in silence before the Lord, entering into his presence, welcoming his presence, receiving his love, and then pouring out my adoration of him without saying a word. That has changed me over time by simply dedicating ten minutes, five minutes, two minutes, thirty minutes to welcoming his presence and sitting in his presence and letting him love me and speak to me. I have a man who is much older than me and much wiser than me and has been praying This way for probably 60 years. And he helps me. I'm like the rookie. He's like, you know, Yoda. So, and uh, I've been chatting with him for a couple years now about prayer and this type of prayer. And uh, after kind of, I don't know, eight, nine months, and we were just talking about this and where I am and where I am with some real challenges in my life and kind of some Ways in which God had given me victory and, and healing. He just looked at me one day and he just said, You have experienced deep healing in his presence. And you might be thinking, like, this kind of prayer sounds a bit weird. Like, are you some sort of mystic or something like that? Are you expecting me to, like, be a mystic? Well, I just think that this type of prayer actually is the fullest expression of the gospel. We are able to come into the presence of the Lord without fear or shame. No need to perform, no need to pray the right prayers, no need to do anything at all, confident that because of Jesus we are saved by grace and faith in him, and we are welcomed into the presence of the Lord and able to receive from him. What if that was happening in your life? What if that was happening in the life of the majority of your community? What if we could all experience deep healing in the presence of Jesus over time? See, there's so much noise in our worlds, from social media to the way we do friendships and get information. It's so intense, and, and it's just present all the time, and it drowns out so much. If you want to make an impact, if you want more of Jesus in you, in your worship, in your city, in the nation, this is essential. What if we commit as a response to Jesus to intentional times of solitude and silence, away from the noise, not making any noise ourselves, allowing him to encounter us, to be present to us, to love us, to speak to us. If we want more of Jesus in us, how about daily precious times of silence where we're present to him, encounter him to receive his love, learning to discern and hear his voice. John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. Jesus, I think, is talking about, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. What if we actually practiced listening to the voice of the good shepherd what if we let him speak to us and we weren't too busy speaking to him it's the most important part of my day i'm in silence before the lord loving him allowing him to love me listening to him as i am attentive to his presence you might be sitting here like look i don't have time and it sounds a little bit crazy so i'm just gonna leave that alone and look i get it you don't have time but we need to we all get to steward our lives And I had to find the time. We'll all have to fight for times, precious times like this. And we might feel like, look, well, it's so hard, and it is hard. I I feel like I shouldn't have to fight for it. It shouldn't be so hard. Well, I just would invite you then to do a bit of a Bible study on how many times in the scriptures we are invited to seek him or seek his face, seek the kingdom. Well, why would that be interesting? Well, I think for lots of reasons, but one is that there's something that makes friendships compelling, and that is we seek and prioritize the other person, and they do that for us, right? Like, have you ever had a friendship that was just a, a one-way street, that, that you know, you did all the seeking, and you did all the contacting, and you did all the serving? And those are really hard, right? Have you ever had a friendship where you get together, and they do all the talking, and they actually do the talking over you when you're doing the talking. And you're never asked how you are. You're never given room to speak. Anyone ever had that experience before? Well, life with Jesus is a friendship with Jesus, and if we're going to go for more of Jesus in us, deeper friendship with him, we have to be up for some seeking and some prioritizing him, and we need to be up for some listening. Because I think he wants to tell you some things. I think he wants to pour out his love and his care for you. I think he wants to reveal who you really are. And I think he wants to help you. You might be sitting here thinking, I'm a business leader. I'm a politician. Or I'm in politics. I'm in education. Uh, I keep our city safe. I got a lot going on here. Really? I'm supposed to sit in that? Well, what if he wants to give you in silence and solitude, some keys to unlock things in your family, in your work, difficult problems. We had a guy who's still part of our church, beloved in our church, and he's uh, well, he's pretty high up in a pretty big organization that keeps our city safe. And he had a problem, and he had to deliver some pretty important training for an area of his organization um, that was big and that they were facing some real obstacles. And he was in worship and silence, and he felt the Holy Spirit give him a training manual that is still in use today and unlocked problems in his organization. And he got it here in the precious fire of Jesus I think he wants to tell you some things. I think he might want to unlock problems in your family. He wants to tell you some things about your soul. He wants to lead you to green pastures. He wants to give you more of himself. And what if, just think about this for a moment, what if every person in this city was encountering Jesus in this way? Would that make a difference? Your city would be unrecognizable overnight. Well, speaking of stewarding your life, another thing I think is important is something that I and lots of other people would call a rule of life. A rule of life. And that's just an overall rule of life for each season. It's where we make big decisions about our life and what our priorities are in advance, to keep the love of Jesus and time in His presence at the center, and use it as like a framework or boundaries. We decide what we need in our life in order to keep Jesus and his presence at the center so that we can receive from him. We get those things in place, and then we say a lot of no's around that. We put things in that are going to help that and take things out to take that away, and we kind of use it as a grid for making decisions. So um, this weekend was a great fit because it allowed us to speak about our themes that are on our life and to, to do what we're called to do. But other things we've had to say no to because they take away from our calling and from our time in the presence of Jesus. Or some of the people just call it simply boundaries or embracing limits. The most powerful and influential people I know, I said they know where their Bibles are, they also know where their boundaries are. They have the highest boundaries and they embrace their limits. They are the people that make proactive decisions about their lives rather than reactive ones and who are simply courageous enough to say a lot of no's so they can say one or two big yeses in the season of life. It's easy to think that by saying a lot of yeses, uh, it brings a lot into our lives and we'll have a big impact. But actually, the truth is the opposite. By saying, we think that you know, if we say a lot of no's, things will pass us by and we'll miss out. But if we don't say any no's, we never get to say a robust yes to anything. We're constantly swamped, and we're tired, and we're pulled in any direction, and we just have that phrase going, I don't have time for that. Boundaries are the real-life moments and decisions where we take ownership and responsibility for our lives. I need to move quickly. Another one is rest, or Sabbath. Our experience of the love of God deepened significantly when we began to take Sabbath seriously, a 24-hour period every week of moving slow, resting, engaging with God and people and things we love. What's not to like about that, right? 24 hours of physical rest, but also uh, spiritual restoration and delight, slowing down, practicing and living in gratitude. In Sabbath, we, we remember and we experience the rest and love of Jesus. Uh, it's amazing. It's really difficult. It's always challenged, uh, and it's an incredible delight. Sabbath is about light, and in the Jewish tradition, when Sabbath begins, they light candles. Uh, It's about goodness, enjoyment, relationships, fun, blessing, food, um, Mm -hmm. feasting, doing things you enjoy that give you life and rejuvenate you. All the powerful things in the world that God has given us to enjoy, most of all himself, it's about engaging with those. Sabbath isn't just a holiday. It isn't just rest for the body and mind. It's also about encountering intentionally God's goodness for your soul and your spirit, your spiritual life with him. It will increase your leadership capacity. It will increase your parenting capacity. It will increase your work capacity, your joy capacity. It will increase your peace and your wholeness and your ability to give those things to others. If you want more of Jesus in your life, you got to get more Sabbath into your life. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to go with the lightning round here. Uh, other helpful things, prayer ministry, counseling, processing pain from our story with people who are gifted to do that. Sometimes we can't move forward with more of Jesus because pain is occupying the space, and he needs to remove it. So some of us, we are desperate for more of Jesus in our life, but we've got to face some pain. And God has equipped uh, men and women as counselors, pastors, friends, really help us. And some of us are going to go from this weekend saying I have to address this thing that I know I've never addressed. And you're going to get healing. And you're going to go further than you ever thought. possible. A a guy that really serves the the global church incredibly well. A pastor called Pete Scazzaro. Written a bunch of different books. uh, Kind of the emotionally healthy spirituality. Emotionally healthy leader. That family of books says this. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. The one I want to end with is this, because we're, we're about out of time, um, is worship. And it's one of the most precious to us. Worship is a thin place where heaven comes close in worship, and we experienced that this morning, or this afternoon. Worship is a precious place for our whole movement of churches. We as a movement were birthed in intimate worship. We learned to pour out our hearts, and he came close to us time after time after time and healed us of our brokenness. And Harmony's going to talk a bit about this tonight, so I'm not going to steal her thunder, but I just wanted to say one quick thing. On my journey of this John chapter 15 life that I'm just kind of really badly trying to invite you into is... I began to engage in worship in a really different way. I was always present in corporate worship, sure, but I began to engage in private adoration of him in private worship as a regular rhythm. It's a place of encounter, it's a place of mercy, it's potent, it's grace-filled, and it's essential for us as followers of Jesus. And Again, Harmony's gonna talk tonight, so I'm not gonna go very far with this, um, but here's just a thought. Maybe you're like me. And you don't play an instrument, you don't have the best singing voice in the world, that like you're never invited to be like the do BVS or anything like that. Um, and maybe just worship has been really hard to engage in for that reason. Um, or maybe you know you're a guy and you just kind of don't really get it, singing you know Jesus is my girlfriend songs and stuff like that, and like ah, I have a hard enough time saying I love you. I'm not going to say it to a wall in a room full of people. You know, it's just hard, right? And I just, you know, I've been there, okay? But I just, I just want to challenge us here. Because I think worship is to mark your community. Worship is for all of us. Worship is a calling on your church. And a friend of mine that knew the Wimber family really, really well told me a story. Um, told me a story of John Wimber who uh, if you're old enough to remember at one time the world sang vineyard worship and you know the vineyard could have put on an album of somebody singing the phone book and it would have sold like crazy because the Lord was just on vineyard worship for that season and you know it, it just was you know it was happening let's just say that and uh John was super involved in that kind of led that charge and he was gifted in that department shall we say um And um, a friend of mine who knew the Wimber family told me the story of John. Um, Especially he got cancer and a lot of other things going wrong at the end of his life. Especially when he was really sick towards the end. He would be up at night, unable to sleep. Um, And he would go downstairs in their home to his piano. And he would just sing love songs to Jesus. And my friend, uh, who knew the family super well, was talking with Carol, his wife, um, who told him... This story where one night she heard him singing this worship song to Jesus, and she'd never heard it before. And she said um, she was around for all of it, all of the vineyard worship, touching the Father's Heart, 83, and all that stuff, you know. And she said this was the best worship song she had ever heard. It was incredible. The most incredible songs of adoration and love for Jesus. And they were never recorded. Because when she talked to John about it, he said, it's always the best for him. It's not for that. It's not for anyone else. It's just for him. And that's haunted me ever since I heard that story. And it made me want to reach for more in worship. Are we cultivating that heart as disciples as men as women are we cultivating the adoration and worship of jesus at all times are we taking responsibility in this area will we take responsibility in this area whether we can sing a note or not men especially in response to who jesus is will we build a life of worship it's essential for more of Jesus in our lives. It's one of the most powerful, formational, and I believe city-shaping things we can do as individuals and as a body of people is to gather and worship the Lord. And I believe you are to be known for that kind of worship. So as I close, there's some things to live a John 15 chapter chapter 15 kind of life. Uh, Tomorrow, I want to tie it in with, again, talking about legacy. Because in John chapter 15, um, if you abide in Christ, it overflows into fruitfulness, which can be stewarded to have a legacy, which I firmly believe God has for us as individuals, as families, and as churches. And legacies are things that are handed down from one generation to the next, or from one person or group to another, and they overflow beyond the original founding person or family or church and they allow those who come after to walk easily in something that the founders had to fight for. And I have incredible faith for you and for your church and for our movement of churches that a kingdom legacy will overflow from this place. It'll hit your families and cascade through your families. It'll hit your city and it'll cascade through your city and it will just explode out of here. It will influence... Lisburn and the whole island and it's going to impact many people for Jesus' sake and his glory long after we're all in glory and our great-grandkids are doing this thing. It's going to impact people you'll never know and you'll never meet. And I want you to dream about that kind of legacy. I want you to begin to dream about that kind of life. And it starts in his presence which overflows into fruitfulness which can be stewarded legacy so will you accept the invitation of Jesus to abide in him to live intentionally in his his love and presence and then will you bear fruit and will you steward that for the rest of your days we'll talk about that more tomorrow night right now I want to pray for you is that okay? would you stand with me? I have a sense what I'm supposed to do uh, tonight or right now in this space is to pray a blessing over you. And then we'll see what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> and if nothing, we'll go eat and have fun. Um, so Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and visit us again. We say yes and amen to you and to your word to us, and we just say, shape us and form us, help us to abide in you. We accept your invitation to remain or to dwell or abide in you. And we, Lord, we say yes to the fruit, but what we want first is your presence. So, with any authority I have, I just bless you. I bless you to encounter the risen Jesus. I bless you to abide in him and to build friendship with him. I bless you to hear his voice. I bless you to receive his healing power. I bless you to hear your right things and to do them. I bless you to hear truth spoken over you And over situations, I bless you to receive deep healing from Him. I bless you to bear outrageous fruit. I come against any lies of the enemy or the lies of men that has clouded your identity and who you think. And I release you from false expectations. I bless you to be who you are supposed to be. Holy Spirit, would you bring the words of Jesus to our hearts? Would you whisper true identity over us? Bless your life in the Scriptures, and I pray for people who have a similar story to me that it's like homework. Lord Jesus, would it become encounter? And some of you are gonna—you're beginning to experience a feeling of like heart sickness, like longing, and that's the Holy Spirit prompting longing for the presence of Jesus and it's like a this kind of John 15 life is beginning to just get traction in you that's what it is and you're going to find yourself pining for his presence you're going to find yourself at work like can i steal away to the toilets and and just be in his presence can i steal away at my lunch break can i can i find some space at night can i rise earlier you're going to rise early in the morning and just desire to be with Jesus and it's that feeling of heart sickness, like I need to be with my beloved. So Holy Spirit, would you increase that? Would that mark this community? As individuals and as a body that cannot stop meeting together to worship, that cannot stop pursuing Jesus with all they have. I bless you to know him deeply. And I bless you to raise up many many hundreds and thousands who learn to be in his presence and come to life. Amen.